looking at, for the next couple of weeks, we're looking at, at, at different things in our life, uh, specifically within our, our Christian walk and of things that, that it's just worth being desperate for that helps out our faith. And so last week we looked at we need to be more desperate for Jesus. Come on, somebody. And then, uh, the, <laughs> thank you, Joe. Um, love you, man. Uh, and then this week we're looking at, uh, we're going to be looking at being more desperate when it comes to your faith, when it comes to your faith. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, verse 43 through 48. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. We'll have it on the screen behind me. And it says this, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, oh, I love Peter. Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. Verse 47, when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her, uh, heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Last verse, daughter, verse 48, daughter, he said to her, Jesus said to her, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. This, your faith has made you well. Today, I'm excited. Right after this message, it's going to be a little brief one, and then we're going to license three people as, um, yeah, as... As ministry pastors in this house, and, and so we're excited. But, but before we do that, I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into the message, and then we'll go from there. So, Father, we thank you. God, we love you so much for today. God, we thank you for bringing us in here, God, to, uh, to experience community, God. I pray, uh, Lord, that the next couple moments together, that, uh, God, that what, the word that, that, that I have, God, that you have, that it would land on good ground, God. We want it to produce. Uh, we want it to produce a harvest, God. Nobody came here with an hour to waste on a Sunday morning. So, God, I pray that you would just uh, grow us within these next moments together, God. That we would leave better. That we would leave changed, but not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Everyone said, "Amen, Amen." So, guys, I got to tell you, I love date night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone was like, yeah. Uh, like, I love date night. Date night is so much fun. I've been dating the same girl, come on, for almost 20 years. And uh, yes, I love date night. And uh, I, I, when it comes to date night, I love going to the movies. I, does anybody like going to the movies for date night? Like, I, how, you guys like the popcorn? Who, who likes the extra butter popcorn? Yeah, the, like you, you pick it up and your hands wet, you know, like, like I love, I love that, 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 the popcorn. And so for the longest, for almost, almost the entire time that I have dated my wife, we have gone to the movies. So Dayton and I would come and I would say, uh, babe, what do you want to do? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, hey, I have an idea. Let's go to the movies. And so we would go to the movies and friends, I got to tell you, it's just recently that I've discovered my wife hates the movies. <laughs> yeah, she hates the movies. She finally just told me that. I'm like, babe, what do you want to do? Let's go to the movies. She's like, babe, I got to tell you something. I hate going to the movies. 
I'm like, why? She's like, I hate just the fact that we can't talk. and It's like a waste of time. She's like, I, we just, we're sitting next to each other for two hours, and we don't, we don't talk. Now, I got to tell you that my wife's love language is quality time. And so for those of you that don't know what love languages are, that's, like, that's how a person feels loved. And so my wife feels loved with quality time. The only problem is my love language is not quality time. It's physical touch. But I've realized... <laughs> I've, I've realized that there will be no physical touch if there's not first quality time. Amen. Someone, come on, some wife was like, amen. You hear that? <laughs> and so, so she just recently told me, she's like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not into, uh, I'm not into the movie thing. And she, and she actually said this to me. She said, babe, I'd rather spend 10 minutes with you in a great conversation than sitting next to you for two hours and not saying a word. And I'm like, oh, that sounds boring, right? Like, but again, that's not my love language. She said, I would rather spend 10 minutes with you, 10 minutes just, just great, deep conversation, than two hours of just sitting side by side with one another. And I began thinking about that. This, this idea, as we would say, quality over quantity. She's like, I, I, I love hanging out with you, but, but I, I would rather have less time of just great, great, great conversation than hours with you. And I began thinking about that. And, you know, I almost think that's how Jesus feels when it comes to our faith. I, I almost think that Jesus is more concerned, or excuse me, he's less concerned with the amount of faith as he is to what you're doing with the little faith that you have currently. And here's why I say that. In Luke chapter 17, uh, Jesus, he's talking to his disciples, his, his closest friends, and he begins to bring a heavy subject of forgiveness. He begins talking about forgiveness, and he's like, he, he's like hey, you, you got to learn to forgive people. To which everyone is like, I don't want to forgive. And then Jesus takes it a step further. He's like, you got to learn to forgive people even seven times in one day when they're wrong. you got to learn to forgive them. And the disciples are like, wow, this is, this is a lot. And we know that the disciples are, 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 are kind of struggling with what Jesus is saying because in Luke chapter 17, verse 5, the disciples say, well, then show us how to increase our faith which is to imply that they were listening to Jesus and they're like, yo, I don't have enough faith for that. You want me to forgive someone that many times? Whoo, Jesus, show me how to have more faith for that. That's what's taking place in this passage. And Jesus, I love Jesus because sometimes Jesus just says things and you're like, that's not what I asked. And so, so they're confused. They're like, I don't have enough faith to forgive people like that. And then uh, they're like, Jesus, increase my faith. And Jesus says this. He says this. Directly after the next verse, he says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, which if I'm a disciple, the next thing I'm like, you, you misunderstood me. I didn't ask for, I said, how do I have, like, how do I have more faith? 
Like, how do you make my faith bigger? I want my faith bigger, not a mustard seed. And yet Jesus' reply was, um, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, which tells me that, that Jesus is more concerned with the quality of the faith, of what you're doing with the little faith that you have, than growing your faith. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe Jesus wants to grow your faith. I think he wants to grow your faith into, into the fullness of, that he, of, what, of what he has for you. But I think if we're not careful, we can desire a lot of faith, but neglect the little faith that we currently have. And can I propose you, if we don't steward the little faith, it'll never grow into the big faith that we see. See, the, the disciples, they, 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 were, they were wrapped, their mind was wrapped around this idea that amount determined the effectiveness. But I want to propose you this morning that the effectiveness has to do with how you steward what you have. And see, this is great news because in this room, there are people with no faith. There are people with little mustard seed-sized faith. There are people with watermelon-sized faith. You know what I'm saying? Like, there is a collective group of people in this room, and everyone's faith is at a different level. And so I love the fact that Jesus is saying, hey, work with what you got. And so my question to you this morning is, are you being faithful with the faith that God has given you thus far? And so uh, what, what I want us to, to really look at is, how do we steward our faith? How do we steward our faith? And in order to do that, we're going to look at the story that we read in Luke chapter 8 of, of the lady uh, with the issue of blood. And so uh, as we read at the very beginning, this lady, she... Uh, she for 12 years, has suffered with this issue uh, of blood. And we read in the Gospel of Mark that uh, she spent all of her money on medicine, and it didn't work. She spent all her money on doctors, and it didn't work. And so uh, what's interesting to me is that every time I've read this story, I'm like, man, this, this lady had incredible, big faith. God, give me the faith of this lady. But then I was reading it. And it implies that Jesus was actually her last resort. <laughs> like, like, she wasn't like, big faith, I'm going to you, Jesus. Nah. She, she actually tried everything else, and she's like, whoop, I got nothing to lose. I heard about this guy, Jesus. He turned water into wine. Maybe he can do something with my sickness. And, and so in, in this story is not a lady that I think is full of faith, but I think it's a lady that learned how to work the faith that she had, the little faith that she had in, you, in her. Excuse me. And so what I want us to do in the next, uh, hopefully, 10 minutes, we'll see. Cross your fingers, right? Um, is, is, I, is I want us, I want to give you three things that I think helps us to steward Faith, to steward the faith that is inside of you. Whatever size faith you have, I think this is applicable to you, to me, uh, to your mama, like everyone. You know, like it's, <laughs> y'all were quiet. I had to throw. No, no. 
I'll drink to that. Mm. Awesome. So, uh, so how do I steward the faith that I have? Number one uh, is this. I got to learn that my faith requires action. That my faith requires action. So, so this lady, she, uh, she didn't just hear about Jesus, but she actually had to step out. Scripture says that she had to, she, she had to like fight through the crowd to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And so she had, to, she had to step out in faith. Can I say this? You have no idea how much faith you have until you put action to it. Let me say it this way. Action determines your faith. Like you can have all the faith built up inside of you, but until you're ready to apply action, it's potential faith. It's, I might have some faith. It's, well, we'll see what. And so, so she, she, had to, she had to put action to her faith. Like whatever size faith that I have, I have to be willing to apply action to it. So if my, my faith level is a small mustard seed, man, I... I just got to take small steps and just see what happens. A lot of the times I think like we, we want to apply action that has nothing to do, that is not relevant to the faith that we have inside of us. And we look at other people and we're like, oh, I want to do that. I want to be like them. And we try and it doesn't like work the faith that you have. I got to learn to work the faith that I have. And, and so she steps out. She steps out, and uh, he, here's what's very interesting to me is that it's not just about action. It's not just about stepping out, but it's also about knowing the direction that you're going. Could I say that she, her faith would have been irrelevant if she, would, if she was headed to any other direction other than Jesus, right? Because she tried that. She tried the doctors. It didn't work. She tried the medicine, it didn't work. She tried the therapy, it didn't work. And so her faith was tied to her ability to walk in the right direction, to the direction of where Jesus was. See, my faith for what I'm believing for is predicated to where my faith is placed in. I'll say that again. My faith for what I'm believing for is predicated off of what I'm placing my faith in. What I'm believing for is, is, is determined where my faith is being placed in because what I place my faith in determines the threshold of what's possible. So what I place my faith in will determine what, 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 what I'm going to be able to see, what is possible. See, some of us, we place, we've placed our, our faith in our own abilities. And it works for a while until it doesn't. Some of us, we've placed our faith in, in a boyfriend, in a girlfriend, in our spouse. And it works until it doesn't. Some of us, we've placed our faith in our occupation or, or, or our check account, checking account. And we're like, man, if it, like it works until... Until it doesn't. 
And so I have to know what I'm believing for. I got to make sure that I'm placing it in the right thing because what I place it in determines the threshold of what's possible. And she knew, she finally got to the place, and that's great news too, that you can like get it wrong one time, two times, three times, four times. It wasn't her first time where she finally was like, okay, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I'm headed to you. And she finally did, and that's when the miracle happened. So, so how do I steward the faith that I have? I got to uh, have action towards the right direction. And so, so she, uh, Jesus is walking, and he stops, and he's like, someone touched me. To which Peter was like, <clears throat> uh, Jesus, everybody touched you. <laughs> like, everyone, every single person here has probably touched you. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Some, someone touched me. And then he says this in Luke uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 8, verse 47. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. So if I'm going to steward the faith that I have, i got to have action. Second thing is i gotta, I got to be willing to not let fear hinder me. Okay, so in that text that we just read, it said that she realized. She realized which implies that there was some back and forth contemplating going on in her head. She was like, okay, he knows someone touched his robe. Like, should I go out there? No, I shouldn't. What are, maybe I should. No, I'm, I'm not. But it would be a good thing if I, no, but. And, and so what also is important, too, is to understand that during this time, culturally, Someone with a bleeding issue would be deemed unclean. And so, like, they would, be, they would be pushed out of town. Like, they couldn't hang out with everyone. They had to leave their whole family. And on top of that, someone who was deemed unclean, if they touched somebody, that person that they touched was also unclean. And so now, she, Jesus is like, someone touched me. And she's like, oh, man, I shouldn't say anything. I sh should I say something? Oh, man, like, if I say something, then... Jesus is, is going to be unclean because of me. Like I, oh, and, 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 she's, and she's like, I don't know what to do. And I'm not sure if you've ever realized or been in that place before. See, because I think, right, what we're, we're reading is, is her ability to not just have action, but be willing to, to supersede the fear that comes with wanting to step out. The fear that, that comes with, with, like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I should go to church today. I'm not sure if it's, I'd rather Niners play at 10. <laughs> hey, I'm speaking to myself. <laughs> like this, <laughs> your own pastor's like, how do I watch the game? Um, what am I saying? I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what are we talking about here? <laughs> Dumb Niners. Um, what was that, Mikey? Help me. Oh, shots fired. All right, I got to focus. I got to focus. <clears throat> so what was I saying? She was going back and forth, and then she realized. She was contemplating. She was like, should I do this? ADHD is real, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> like, do I, do I step out? 
there's always going to be some type of fear associated with your willingness to step out in faith. There, it, it's, there's always going to be something in your mind where you're going to have to like decide whether or not I'm going to do, I'm going to use my faith that's inside of me or if I'm just going to hold it back. We see that all throughout Scripture. There's these, uh, every, like every single person that God wanted to use, they had to first get through a battle of if the, the, the situation, that the faith that, they were, that was required of them, if they were willing to step out in faith and do it. Small faith, big faith. There will always be an opportunity, there will always, excuse me, be a time where we have to decide, am I going to do this? Am I, do, am I going to put action to my faith? I think she actually models how the best way to overcome the fear of whatever, whatever you're going through when it comes to stepping out in faith. Because it says that she realized that Jesus was not going to stop until she identified herself. And what does she do? It says, Scripture says she ran out and she fell to her knees in front of the feet of Jesus. There is something about posturing myself down at the feet of Jesus that, that, that literally, I think, I think a physical posture dictates your spirit posture. And so if I'm physically bowing down, I feel like it's my spirit bowing down to Jesus. And it's acknowledging, hey, Jesus, you're up there. My fear is right here. You are over my fear that I'm going through. My fear will not dictate the faith that I'm dealing with right now. Did I say that right? My, faith, my fear will not dictate the faith that I want to experience, that I want to walk through. And so she fell to the feet of Jesus. I love what Colossians 3 says. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. When I posture myself, when I posture myself in a posture of humility, it's Jesus like I'm, I'm focusing on things that are above my situation. I'm focusing on the things that, 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 that are above. I'm focusing on you that's above the fear, because I want to put action to my faith. And so the last one, as we wrap it up, and the keys can come up too, thank you. Not only do I have to have a posturing the correct perspective, but I steward the faith that I have with my words. I steward the faith that I have with my words. So the continuation of verse 47, the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him, that she had been immediately healed. So not only did she throw her feet, throw herself to, uh, to the feet of Jesus, but she actually ended up vocalizing what Jesus did in her life. And here's what I find interesting is that most, most scholars, theologians believe that it was an internal bleeding issue that she was dealing with. So on the surface, it didn't look like anything changed. And so if I'm the crowd, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching her at the feet of Jesus, I'm like, nothing changed on you. You look the same. 
And I realized that sometimes we have to begin to speak things out that no one else can see. There's something about the words that you and I project. That there are situations, there are seasons in life where you and I, we're going to have to project words that makes no sense to anyone else. Because your words either align with what you are experiencing or what you're expecting. And so are your words over the faith necessary to step out? Are your words based off of what you're currently experiencing or what you're expecting? My faith inside of me, whatever faith level you have, from baby faith to no faith to maybe massive faith. Like, are you speaking in faith over the situations that you're going through? Are you speaking in faith what you're desiring for your kids? Are you speaking in faith what you're believing God to do in your marriage? Are you speaking in faith what you're believing God to do for you within provisions? There's power in your words, ladies and gentlemen. There's power in your words. And so when my actions and my perspective and my words, when they align, I think it, it begins to create something in my faith that, that it shows, shows God like, hey, he's faithful with what he has right now. But it also does something where it begins to stretch your faith. And it grows your faith. Listen, God is, God is concerned. He wants your faith to grow, but he also wants you to work the faith you currently have. Amen, somebody?